Football Social Daily. Spin like royalty here at kingcasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. BeGambleAware.org. Hello, welcome to Football Social Daily, the only podcast out there which focuses on Premier League football every single day of the season. Brand new show every day of the week, so if you want to keep up to speed on the latest top flight goings on, smash the subscribe button and you won't miss a podcast episode ever again. It's a manic Monday today, so many huge talking points to get through on Football Social Daily, including the big story which was announced this morning. Manchester City's two-year ban from European competition has been overturned. City expunged of all charges. They'll play in the Champions League next season after they secured second place in emphatic style at Brighton yesterday. Spurs secured the bragging rights in the North London derby with a 2-1 win over Arsenal. Eddie Howe must have taken his lucky horseshoe or rabbit's foot to the Vitality Stadium as his Bournemouth side beat Leicester 4-1. Plenty of slices of luck, but he won't care and nor will Bournemouth. Neither will Aston Villa after their huge win over Crystal Palace too. We'll discuss all the games and all the goals as well as tonight's clash between Manchester United and Southampton. I'm Niall McCorn. Alongside me on today's show for a good old football chinwag, we've got Jim Salverson. Hello, Jim. Hello, I'm enjoying the word expunged quite a lot. It's, been it's a good used, word, that. It's been used a lot the last couple of days, hasn't it? Expunged. Yeah, I like it. Marley Anderson's also here. Hello, Marley. Hello. I know you've been uh, back in your native Cumbria this weekend. Have you heard any language like expunged used up, up there in the lakes? <laughs> Absolutely not. However, I did witness a man using a, um, a hole in the wall, you know, a cash machine, um, with his right hand while having a pee against the wall he was using that with his left hand <laughs> oh, wow. and that wow. is that is not even a joke I'm not making that up it was the, disgusting the joys I'm glad to be back the joys of England the joys of England anyway all the games that took place yesterday in the Premier League and plenty of good results for several different teams you wouldn't have thought that Bournemouth and Aston Villa would both win on the same weekend particularly by the margin that both sides did win by and of course Tottenham bested Arsenal in the North London derby as well but the big talking point is actually off the field today the first thing we're going to talk about Jim is that Manchester City's two-year ban from European competition has been overturned expunged is this the right call because the court of arbitration for sports seem to think so I think this is a, a bit of an interesting one because for me I just don't understand how this all works if UEFA don't want Manchester City to play in their competition why can the Court of Arbitration for Sport come in and go, well, they can now? And it's like, oh, OK, fine, we'll let them in again. But anyway, that's beyond the point. The point is the court case is overturned. It's gone in their favour. That's the, exactly the result that City wanted. I think it's an unexpected result, isn't it? The noises that have been flying around for the last four weeks have been that City were going to, at the very most, get this punishment reduced somehow and it did seem like an extreme punishment for what they did compared to what has come before and how other clubs have been dealt with in similar circumstances so I think it's no surprise it's been overturned but I get completely what you mean by it's a really confusing scenario that we're in that CAS have come in and overturned something that UEFA were essentially putting on their own competition exactly and and I, I guess the guess the issue here is that UEFA have created a legal scenario which Cast then can then overturn. They've put a legal restriction on Manchester City for breaking the rules. The big thing for me, and there's no way I can possibly answer whether City have broken the rules, whether they got off on a technicality or what the scenario is, I don't know enough about it. But what I do know is looking at the situation that UEFA have overseen is they have gone, right, we're going to be judge, we're going to be jury and we're going to be executioner. 
yes, on this. That's fair and enough. if you're putting in that, if you're if you're going to put an inquiry in something, it needs to have an an independent element to it. Mm. So you can't be all three of those people. You you can't go. Here are the rules. We've decided you're not doing it. We've decided you're guilty, and here's your punishment. You can't be all those stages. It needs to be an independent element to it at some point. So I think. Ultimately, it means the end of FFP and a lot of happy Manchester City fans. Yeah, 100%. I think FFP definitely is going to have uh, some sort of revamp or it might even be um, taken away completely. We'll have to wait and see what happens uh, You know, after this Manchester City court case. Uh, the result's been announced. The verdict has been delivered. I, I don't want to say anything libelous on the podcast. So I'll be very careful not to do that. But, but Marley, <laughs> people, people will say about Manchester City because they've got a lot of money that they might have been able to kind of, you know, deliver a couple of backhanders to those people at Cass and... You know, like you get in, um, in in the United States justice system where you can you can sort of pay a bit of money and, and uh, like a plea bargain, so to speak. So, I mean, do you, do you feel that there might have been a little bit of that uh, in the background? I know we shouldn't say that there has or hasn't been, but there's certainly been plenty of rumours that Manchester City have paid their way out of trouble, so to speak. Uh, no, in a, in a word. Um, I don't think the court of arbitration for sport is, is too senior to, to even... Be, be linked with that type of behaviour. I think it's uh, it's the most upstanding thing. It sorts out everything in every sport. You know, every legal um, legal disagreement between clubs and teams and institutions and all that type of thing. So, you could, I mean, it'd be it'd be silly to to uh, to to talk about it. Um, like suggest that they they might be giving backhanders. I think the only people that are, that would um, that would say, oh well, you know, look how much money City have got, and look at their results uh, that they've got out of this case. I think the only people that say that are, are jealous fans that wanted wanted to see Man City get kicked out of the Champions League. <laughs> you mean Liverpool um, fans? <laughs> <laughs> that's one of them. Um, pro- there's probably a few Man United fans. There's probably a few Real Madrid fans and PSG fans and everything in the in that little audience as well. But no, nah, it's a, it's it's just a, it's a fair it's a fair outcome in terms of you know the the result and the diligence that. That Cass put into this case, they, they know everything, and they've, um, you know, obviously they've ruled that Man City have found a loophole in UEFA's clearly uh, crap rules about FFP, and everyone's talked <laughs> in the past about how FFP can actually be can be enforced, um, and Man City have just have walked right through the open door that they've left in in their rules and their terms and conditions because this is uh, this is proof of it, I suppose, because. If there hadn't been loopholes there, Man City would have been banged to rights and, and banned for two years. But as it is, um, Khaldun's got all these lawyers, you know, 50-odd lawyers or whatever Man City have got to fight this case. And, yeah. you know, obviously you do have to have money to, to you know, afford those lawyers and, and get them to find the loopholes. But it's money well spent if, you, if you're in the Champions League for the next two years because you've got the outcome you wanted. So happy days for City. 100% they've bought their way out of it, but they've bought their way out of it by hiring the best people to get them off the hook, as it were. And even to find those loopholes in the first place that allowed them to invest money and find those little gaps in the UEFA wording of whatever they put into the FFP documents. But, I mean, UEFA have been just embarrassed by this, haven't they? Mm. Not only that they failed to write the terms and conditions in the first place in a strict enough way that people couldn't find loops, but... 
they clearly don't understand their own rules. And if you're going to be an organisation that is, as I said earlier, being judge, jury and executioner, you need to understand what it is you're trying to do. And I think it's been proved time and time again that FFP is not fit for purpose. It hasn't been doing the job it was intended to do. And that job was to safeguard clubs' futures. Mm. What it has, in fact, ended up doing, and Manchester City fans will tell you this till they're blue in the face, is it's, it seems to have been designed, whether it's in design whether it's in execution but it, it seems to have been put in place to kind of maintain the cartel of big clubs in European football so yeah I mean UEFA have been embarrassed the whole thing needs to be looked at again but Manchester City from the posts that the club are posting as well as from the, uh, like the Pep Guardiola's post of the selfie of him and his backroom staff with Sky Sports News behind him kind of looking very cheerful about the whole thing so mm. yeah I mean the club are going to be delighted that they get to play in the Champions League next season and it completely changes the landscape of next season for them in terms of the players they can bring in the players they can hold on to and what the future of the club looks like. Pep Guardiola said yesterday it's only fair for the players who have achieved, you know, the you know the success of qualifying for the Champions League on the pitch. It's only fair on them that they get to play in it next season. But I think it's mm. interesting when managers come out and say things about off the field antics. And I think that although it's quite valiant of a manager to come out and kind of express opinions about decisions that are made off the field, I think sometimes they should kind of keep themselves to themselves because I think. You know, Pep Guardiola saying the players have earned it. Well, yes, they have. But the reason that Manchester City can afford the best players may be because of the way that they found a loophole, as Marley says, in, in the rules, which is not Manchester City's fault. It's UEFA's fault. And I think UEFA have learned the lesson the hard way. And this almost sets a precedent, I think, for people to take on UEFA. Because for some reason, PSG got away with it, didn't they? They had a FFP problem mm. and they got away with it. Um, we've seen Real Madrid and Barcelona get away with it. And I think you're right, Jim. You know, the elite, the cartel, as you say, they're kind of being protected by UEFA and I don't think that's going to happen anymore. I think Manchester City have trailblazed their way into possible changes in the European football system with the Champions League, Europa League and whatnot. I think we could see a big change in FFP. I think you're absolutely right. But the big story, Manchester City's court case at the Court of Arbitration for Sport goes in their favour. Their two-year European ban has been overturned. They will play in the Champions League next season after they beat Brighton 5-0 yesterday. Let's talk about another game which took place yesterday in the Premier League. It took place at the Vitality Stadium where Bournemouth beat Leicester by four goals to one. Yeah, I'm not making a mistake here 4-1 Bournemouth beat Leicester <laughs> they were very very lucky a couple of really horrendous looking deflections and goals but Bournemouth just will not care Jim will they they absolutely desperately needed that three points and they managed to get it against the Leicester side who are slipping I care after West Ham's win at the weekend I thought that was us safe pretty much and then Bournemouth win a Villa win and it's kind of all a bit of a mess and right back in the mix again for West Ham but as far as Bournemouth are concerned I mean a great result not to want to take too much away from them, but I think a team of under-11s probably would have beaten that Leicester side at the weekend with the amount of chances that Leicester seemed to give Bournemouth. They just seemed to hit self-destruct, first with the penalty and then with the terrible back pass. And it was just mistake after mistake after mistake. And fair, yeah, Bournemouth do need to take advantage of those chances and put them away. But Leicester just had a horrendous off day I think and I, I didn't see the game live I watched the results come in and I watched the highlights a little bit later and I saw the difference in performance from one half to the other in terms of the goals and the statistics and whatnot and I was like oh Eddie Howe I mean we've been slagging him off a lot recently on the podcast he deserves a lot of credit because whatever he's done at half time has massively 
change the game. But unless what he did at half-time was went into the Leicester City dressing room and tied everyone's boots together, I'm not sure he does deserve that much credit because I'm not sure it was down to him, to be honest. I don't think it was necessarily down to Bournemouth. I do think it was Leicester just being absolutely terrible. Yeah, I mean, Chagla Soyuncu got sent off by for a kick-out, Marley. I mean, that never helped Leicester's cause. And, and now it looks like their place in the top four, which was pretty nailed on around Christmas time, is seriously under threat. Yeah, it looks like they're... Um... They've they've shot themselves in the foot now. Um, what is it like? I think Man United can go above them tonight into fourth. Um, obviously, the top mm. four is only the the Champions League spots now with with City's ban um, being overturned. So it's not even as if they can hang on to fifth and and get into it that way. Um, but I mean, they were. It was crazy yesterday. I watched the uh, I watched the game and it was. I mean, Bournemouth. The goal Leicester scored for for their first goal um, was just, it was typical Bournemouth, like, I watched obviously Bournemouth against Newcastle a couple of weeks ago and they self-destructed there, they they gave us goals mm. and mm. we didn't have to work hard to score against them and it's like, okay, if you can eradicate that, at least if, if teams break you down, then they break you down, but if you start giving it away in, in your own final third and, and it, or in, you know, your own half teams are just going to kill you and I think it was uh, it was Gosling got caught on the ball and I was like you know if you're playing Dan Gosling he's just, he's not that good a player is he like let's be honest he's not he's not even a Premier League sort of standard player and you, you're sort of trying to rely on him to get out of uh, get out of trouble and Perez took it off him and, and Leicester scored probably the scrappiest goal that summed up the way Bournemouth were playing and it was like oh well here we go again because you know, Bournemouth barely got into Leicester's half. They were awful. They had no no uh, like attacking threat at all. Brooks was quiet on the wing. Wilson Solanke couldn't get a kick. And then, of all the things that I was surprised about, I was, I was surprised about Bournemouth winning the game. But I was even more surprised that Dominic Solanke scored twice. <laughs> like, Jesus, wet. The guy's only ever scored one Premier League goal, and it was for Liverpool in like 2017. And he pops up with two in the space of like 10, 15 minutes, and all of a sudden. You know, Bournemouth have, have ran away with the game and ended up four one. It could have been five or six as well because they missed a couple of chances uh, towards the end. But now for Leicester, I mean, Sloan choose a big miss for them. He's going to miss three games for for kicking Callum Wilson. That was a stupid thing for Sloan to do, especially considering his team, as I said before, are slipping out of the top four and it looks like they're probably not going to get a top four place. As you mentioned, if Manchester United beat Southampton tonight, they're out of the top four. So, you know, that that's a... You know, talk about Bournemouth pressing the self-destruct button. That's a little bit of that from Leicester and Soyuncu there. Yeah, it, it was. It, it was. Um, it was one of them. Like he, he was chasing the ball in. Like he wasn't trying to keep it off Wilson. I think he was. It's just his momentum because he tried to clear it off the line when Solanke's shot went through Schmeichel. But the way, the way Callum Wilson pushed him was a bit naughty, and you can expect there to be a bit of trouble. But you know, if you, if you just do the whole chest bump, head together thing you usually get a yellow card but if you boot him in the leg you're going to get sent off yeah. so uh, I mean be an but, adult just I be mean, the bigger uh, man let it go well to be fair I mean he is yeah, the bigger man he's massive Wilson's, Wilson's brave because <laughs> Soyuncu is if there was players I would not want to uh, mess with in the Premier League I think Soyuncu would be in the top five because he's an absolute beast silly just sums up the way Leicester are doesn't it I mean they're making their own mistakes now and it's it's through their own fault that they're not going to 
or it doesn't look like they're going to qualify for the Champions League. So, mm-hmm. Well, Marley, you mentioned it twice there. Dominic Solanke scoring the goals uh, in the main for Bournemouth in their 4-1 win over Leicester. I mean, where has he been is a big question, Mark. I just think Bournemouth's players, I don't think many of them are Premier League quality, aside from a couple of exceptions like Nathan Ecker, I think is a very good defender. Um, but they're, you know, most of them, I think, are a championship quality and have kind of been punching above their weight in the Premier League. And I think maybe that will catch up with Bournemouth. Um, I still think that they're going to go down, Jim. It was a massive win for them, but Villa also winning and West Ham, your team also winning and, you know, decent results all round for those teams down at the bottom end of the table, aside from Norwich City, of course, who are already relegated. You know, that's that's huge for, for Bournemouth, that victory. But at the same time, you know, it doesn't really drag them any closer to safety with Villa picking up three points too. No, I think if you're a Bournemouth fan... You have to look at that result and go, okay, it was a good three points. Maybe three points we didn't expect it, but is it going to save us? Probably not. They've got Manchester City on Wednesday. They've got Southampton the following Sunday. They're not easy fixtures and they're already a little bit adrift. So they need to rely on other teams dropping points too. So I think it is a little bit late for Bournemouth. I think it is, as I said, it's more time result for Leicester City, probably because that is probably the end of their big Champions League football. And since the restart, They've just looked really, really nervous and worried about the chasing pack. They've been glancing over their shoulders and the performance against Bournemouth was exactly that. It was a nervy performance. You know when you play five-a-side and you've got the guy who's not confident on the ball and you're constantly kind of trying to tell him, look up, look up, look for the pass. And he just sort of makes a mess and boots it into his own net or something. That was Leicester City. (laughs) Yes, that's also me, by the way, but that is Leicester City. I mean, since the restart, they've lost all the momentum they had at the beginning of the season. And if they hadn't had the break, maybe that momentum would have kept them in the top four. But they've lost it, and they're looking an absolute shambles. They've lost Chilwell, they've lost Madison, which is obviously having an effect. But yeah, I think that that's a much more important result. And it seems like a strange thing to say when Bournemouth are fighting for their lives, and it's such a valuable three points. But I think it's much more significant for City, Leicester City, than it is for Bournemouth. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not a, just a one nil loss. It's a four one defeat to a team that have really struggled for goals and conceded a shed load of goals in the Premier League since their time in the top flight. So Bournemouth 4, Leicester 1 was a final score at the Vitality Stadium. Massive result for the Cherries, poor result for the Foxes. Talking about down there in the relegation zone, Aston Villa also picked up a crucial three three points against Crystal Palace with a 2-0 victory. Massive win for Villa as it was for Bournemouth, Marley, but I still feel it's a little bit too little, too late for Villa. What do you think? Uh, I would be inclined to agree. Um, I think... That game was wasn't the best as well. Um, I managed to watch that as well. I honestly managed to watch a full football yes, uh, football day yesterday, and most of it was rubbish. Um, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, they, they, you know, they got the goals. They, they didn't look amazing, uh, Villa, but they did what they needed to do. I think uh, they were very lucky with um, with Sacco's goal getting disallowed um, for quite quite an obvious shoulder rather than arm. Um, when he when he put it in, I think uh, they were lucky to get away with that. Even Dean Smith and, and Jack Grealish were saying that it it should have counted. Um, and then I think Trezeguet, who's been poor since uh, since coming in uh, last summer, he, he popped up with with a couple of goals, both decent finishes to be fair. But yeah, they were they they needed that, and uh, you know it's bad news for like West Ham and. And everyone who thought they would probably thought, thought they got away with one this weekend, and thought the other teams would would probably lose, but then all of a sudden, you know, Villa and uh, Bournemouth have picked up wins to to keep it alive. But it's good for a neutral mm-hmm. to see, you know, to see uh, it it staying alive a little bit more, and uh, we'll see we'll see what Villa can do. But on the base on the basis of things, I don't they're not good enough to stay up. I don't think um, I don't think Grealish does enough. 
um, in terms like he's got everything on him. It's like everything's on him to do to do something, and you know even his extravagant dives for a penalty is uh, is getting overturned now. So that's uh, that's another thing they've got to contend with. But I don't think they've got enough goals in the team. Um, I don't think they're good enough at the back. I think Pepe Reina is an absolute shocking goalkeeper these days. Mm. Um, I think the the centre back. I think Mings is okay, but the others aren't aren't up to much. Um, and I think Villa will will slip away. I think I, I can't see them getting enough from the final three games to to stay up. Yeah, no, I, I personally can't see them staying up either. And I think even though, you know, the gap was obviously narrowed with the victory, with all the other teams around them winning as well. I just think that it's almost a little bit of like, you know, what have we got to do to stay up here? Uh, I don't think Aston Villa will stay up, Jim. That'll be good news for you as a West Ham fan. But what about Crystal Palace, who? They were on the verges of a Europa League spot a couple of games ago, and now they're just bang average mid-table. So I want to know what you think their plans should be or their expectations should be moving forward. I mean, what should their vision be of the next couple of seasons? Because as a Crystal Palace fan, you would have been licking your lips about the prospect of playing in the Europa League. I mean, European football for the first time in, well, ever, really, for Crystal Palace. I mean, who could ever remember them being in the European spots? But it was on the cards... And now that's been sort of taken away from them with a couple of dodgy performances. So, I mean, the goal for Crystal Palace, I know personally, I think they're quite a small club that have done well to stay up in the Premier League. But when you've kind of established yourself as a top flight club and you're London based and you've got a fair amount going for you in, in a manager that's got, you know, a lot of respect throughout the game, then surely they should be aiming a little bit higher, don't you think? Yeah, but they're not. And I think that's exactly what they've done with bringing Roy Hodgson in is the intention is to stay in the Premier League. And they tried to do something a little bit different. And they got De Boer in a few seasons ago. We all know how horribly that went wrong. His mission was to come in and play more expansive football. And they just haven't got... Or maybe they're not willing to make that investment to bring in the playing staff you need to do to play more expansive football so I think their intention is to stay in the Premier League and that is what they're going to do going forward but you look at their form recently it's almost like they've achieved that 40 point mark and then gone well we've done it that's it season over and they've lost the last five in a row so maybe that is their intention maybe that's the message internally within the club as well it is get to the 40 point mark stay in the Premier League go again next season which is no fun for a football fan isn't it I mean, maybe the intention is to win a cup competition somewhere, get into a League Cup final or something. I mean, but they're just another one of those teams that are making up... The, sorry, Crystal Palace fans, but it's just another one of those teams making up the numbers. I totally agree. And Crystal Palace fans, they deserve something to be... to cheer about. They deserve something to cheer about. This is a football club that's been in existence since 1905. They've never won a major trophy. They've never played European football. I mean, Crystal Palace, a lot of people think, well, yeah, OK, they're a championship Premier League side. And they are. But they've just, they've never won anything. Their, their greatest moment was winning a playoff final at Wembley. I mean, I mm. just think, I, I feel for Crystal Palace fans. And I know what it's like supporting a smaller club. Um, and, you know, those moments that you go through, like playoff wins and stuff like that, are the moments that you live for. But being in the Premier League for so long, even Burnley have played European football. So I just think Crystal Palace maybe need to be aiming a little bit higher. That's just a But you a look through the opinion. squad. I mean, where's the world-class players? Every team in the Premier League has a couple of players that you really fancy at your club. And beyond Wolf Sahar, there's very little in that Crystal Palace team that you'd even look at another Premier League team coming in and taking a chance on. If they did get relegated, I was watching the game yesterday and I... I didn't even know Scott Dan was still playing football and they've got him playing at centre-backs. I mean, it's um, it, 
they're it's a it's a funny team, and they do they do well to stay in the Premier League, but it doesn't really look like they're ever going to achieve much more than that unless there is a serious change of thinking at the football club. Marley, what do you what do you think about Crystal Palace? I mean, I know they lost two 0 to Villa. It's not. Um, something to be too worried about because they are safe in the Premier League and as we said Roy Hodgson maybe that's his remit to keep Palace up and he's moaned a couple of times Roy Hodgson over the last few seasons about you know not being able to sign players and Palace not dipping into the transfer market but Jim's right I mean is there anyone apart from Zaha in that Crystal Palace side that you would take at Newcastle or you you fancy in your in your team? He spoke about this last week on on the podcast and I asked um Stefan and Ant, I said, "What, what are West? What are Crystal Palace? What are they trying to do? What's, what should they be going for? Because it is like they've they've treaded water for the last, you know, three or four years or whatever. They've never never really been in relegation danger. They took the chance on De Boer, um, that didn't work. I think he, he got he got sacked after about five games. I think it was the quickest one. Uh, I mean, other than Zaha, I, the goalkeeper's pretty good. I quite like Gaeta. He, he's had a few good games, but." Other than him, Van Aanholt is okay. I think Crystal Palace fans might tell you that he's not the best defensively. He's uh, he's decent at going forward, but outside them three, uh, I can't see anyone. Jordan Ayew's having a, a good season, but I don't think he's I don't think he's a, a you know a player you'd put in a in a top half Premier League team in in the starting lineup. So I think he's he's where he is. He's where he needs to be, kind of thing. So no, other than that, I think Zaha. Maybe Van Aanholt and maybe Gaeta, but outside that, it's Zaha plus 10 others, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, Crystal Palace nil, Aston Villa 2 at Villa Park, the final score in the Premier League. And we've still got Brighton against Man City and Wolves versus Everton to discuss, as well as looking ahead to Manchester United versus Southampton tonight. We'll do all that next here on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Spin like royalty here at kingcasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. Be gambleaware.org. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social, the only daily Premier League podcast out there seven days a week. A brand new podcast for you until the season is over. We'll discuss all the games, all the goals and look ahead to all the fixtures as well. And that's exactly what we'll be doing shortly when Manchester United take on Southampton tonight. We'll discuss that in a sec. But first of all, let's talk about what happened at the Amex Stadium yesterday. Brighton and Hove Albion comprehensively battered by Manchester City and it's not the first team that Manchester City have smashed in the last couple of weeks Marley is it uh, <laughs> another 5-0 win for Man City um, this time against Brighton Brighton still aren't 100% safe uh, Jim with Villa and Bournemouth both winning and their running certainly looked the hardest of all the teams that possibly could get sucked into danger however it still feels that they are just about all right, but Graham Potter will still be slightly glancing over his shoulder, thinking, oh, "We can't afford two more of these five-nil defeats." Who have Brighton got in the running? I haven't looked at their running. What's- so Brighton's last three games aren't too difficult. They've got Southampton, Newcastle, and Burnley. All three of those teams not really got too much to pay- play for at this moment in time. All three of them appear to be safe. But in the last few weeks, especially since the restart, they've had some really tough fixtures. Their first game uh, was against the Arsenal, and they ended up winning that game by two goals to one, the first game after the restart. Then they had to go to Leicester, where they drew 0-0. 
And then it was Manchester United, Norwich, Liverpool, Manchester City. So, I mean, that was a real mm. tough run in, but they got the hard work done early though, I suppose, didn't they? With the victory over Arsenal and the draw with Leicester. And they obviously beat Norwich as well, but everyone beats Norwich. They've been the whipping boys of late. So, you know, I mean, I thought that that <laughs> running run was really tough um, for Brighton. So although they're not quite convincingly safe, I think that they'll have enough to get over the line. You'd fancy five points with three games to play should be enough to keep them up. And that's the difference between them and Bournemouth at the moment. And I think next season will be much better for Brighton and Graham Potter. This is, feels like the bedding in season. And we mentioned it with how Crystal Palace, when they bought De Boer and they tried to change their football and it went disastrously wrong. I think Brighton deserve a lot of credit for sticking with Graham Potter, who has made a concerted effort to change the football that the team are playing and kind of build something a little bit different at the club. And it looks like it's going to keep them in the division just so they need to invest in the summer they need to build on the foundations that he's put in place and I think next season will be a little bit better for them so yeah they're not going to worry too much about losing to Manchester City 5-0 I think there are plenty of teams that have and probably still a few more that will lose to Manchester City 5-0 this season for me I mean there's two things that jumped out to me about that game number one was Pep Guardiola has a complete disregard for my fancy football team I mean, benching Phil Foden was just not on. And number two, we should be talking about Raheem Sterling in the race for the golden boot because he scored a hat-trick and that puts him not too far off, I don't think, the people at the top of that golden boot chart at the moment. And he's in form again. And that's from a player who, A, isn't playing as an out-and-out striker and, B, had a real dip-off in the middle of the season where he just couldn't score. And it just goes to show how good Raheem Sterling is as a player and a goal scorer for Manchester City. Yeah, Raheem Sterling's hat-trick, Marley, is the sort of goal that you'd laugh if you scored on FIFA, let alone in real life. The way it just bounced off his head and went into the back of the net for his hat-trick was unbelievable. Um, the thing is with Manchester City, and you know because they tonked your team a couple of weeks ago and there's no shame in being smashed by City. They've been absolutely awesome since the restart. They've been class but they've got so many good players that if it isn't Sterling scoring a hat-trick, then it's Jesus bagging a couple or De Bruyne is on fire. And it's just like, you know, all guns are blazing. They've got so much artillery there at the Etihad Stadium. It's outrageous, you know, like I say, if it's not Sterling, someone else is banging the goals in. Yeah, it's, um, it's, a, it's an effort to to uh, to shackle them as, as many teams have found out this season. I think even the teams that have beaten them have, have got battered for 90, pretty much 90 minutes and, and nicked a goal kind of thing. And, and rolled the luck at times, but you know, um, I mean, Sterling's hat-trick goal yesterday just summed up. Yeah, I mean, you could tell that City were about to win their uh, their appeal against uh, Cass with Cass because, you know, when you're getting that much luck on the pitch, imagine you know everything's going your way if 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 Raheem Sterling falls over and manages to score a header while sat on his ass <laughs> on the floor. So it was always going to be uh, it was always going to be a good result today when when the uh, FFP ruling came out, but. Yeah, that was that was funny, but uh, yeah, they've just got to go again, haven't they, Man City next year and and try and get closer to uh, to um, to Liverpool at the top. But with a couple of signings as well, I mean, I think City will be much much stronger next season, and we'll see uh, we'll see if they can close the gap. But they're they're always going to you know rip anyone apart on the day, and that's why you know when they beat Newcastle five 0 I wasn't even wasn't even bothered to be honest because. Some teams in the Premier League just aren't equipped to beat the top sides. You can't you can't look at your team and go, "We should have played this guy. We should have played that guy, and we would have won." Because you wouldn't like you would you, mm-hmm. you might got beat three nil rather than five nil, but you still get no points. You still don't go up the table. So I don't really. 
buy into the whole thing of you know we should have done better against them and, and Brighton Brighton should feel the same to be fair because you know it takes a lot of luck and a lot of skill uh, and the, you know the perfect conditions to beat a team like Man City and they've got to focus on the last three games now with you know, with Burnley and, and uh, Newcastle coming up they'll they'll feel like they can beat them um, and vice versa so. I think one more win will do it for them, and even even if they don't win another game, I think Bournemouth have still got to win, you know, uh, two games to catch them, and and so have uh, so have Aston Villa. So it's still a big ask for them to to be sort of sucked into it, the last and, and relegated. But I think mm. they'll be okay. So Manchester City beating Brighton five 0 at the Amex Stadium. That means that Manchester City secure second place. That is guaranteed. No one can catch them now with the amount of games left. So they will be playing in the Champions League next season because, as we mentioned earlier, their two-year UEFA ban has been overturned. Final game we're going to talk about that took place yesterday took place at Molyneux, where Wolverhampton Wanderers beat Everton by three goals to nil. And again, I mean, it's one of those games where not, it's not quite a dead rubber because Wolves are still playing for Europa League qualification, but Everton are pretty much one of these floating teams. They're a floater, but neither here nor there. They're not going down. They're not going to finish in the Europa League places. So what is there else to say about this season for Everton, Jim? It's been bang average for them. They were flirting with relegation at the start. Ancelotti came in after Marco Silva was sacked. Amazing that they've even managed to get him at the club, I think. Mm. Obviously, there's been players injured. Their recruitment has been awful the last few seasons. Sigurdsson has been, you know, subject to plenty of abuse from the supporters because I think that they don't feel that they've got their money's worth with him. So many problems at Everton. I mean, this season has definitely been one to forget for them. I think it's probably slightly worse than that, actually, for Everton. I think they would have expected a little bit more from Carlo Ancelotti coming in and 100% he hasn't got the personnel he needs at the moment and 100% they need to invest in that playing squad to get the best. They've got the manager, they're going to have the stadium, they need to get the squad and build it around him. And they've got a few very good players, but not enough at the moment. But I think what would be really worrying for them is looking at games like the Wolverhampton game and going, we just don't look like we've got any ideas we just don't look like we've been set out in a way that's going to cope with the team in front of us. And that is 100% on the manager. And when you've got a manager like Carlo Ancelotti, you expect a little bit better. And whether it was that his game plan was blown out of the water by the penalty, whether he was trying to contain Wolves away from my I, I don't know. But it just doesn't, didn't seem like a team who really were offering very much. And I think that's quite a worrying sign for Everton. And how long will they continue if, if Carlo Ancelotti has next season and they perform in a similar way? I mean, where do you go from there? Is there a better manager that Everton could get in above and beyond at Carlo Ancelotti? Probably not. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a big question mark still, but he's maybe not had quite the instant impact that some people, myself included, would have inspected. Well, they managed to keep themselves clear of the drop, which I think was the big concern for Everton fans at the start of the season. But I'm just wondering, yeah. I mean, what... What is there to say about this season apart from Marley that it's a bit of a write-off? It's like, well, we'll go again next year, lads, and hopefully we do something next year. Yeah, I think um, I think with with Everton, it's it's one of them sort of seasons you just write off. Um, you know, you got Ancelotti in in sort of January, um, and for me, I think you you give him the rest of the season to find out about his squad and, and find out what he's got and who he wants to keep and who he wants to get rid of. And I think he's doing that now and. Uh, this summer will be massive for Everton because they need they need a fair bit to their squad. They need they won't uh, have any know. players left, Marley. 
if he's decided who to get rid of. <laughs> it's quite possible. Um, you know, they need a they need a striker. They need the defense sorting out. Um, but I mean, I was watching the games yesterday, and in in all four games, um, well, everything except the North London derby. In three of the four games, there was injuries before half time. Um, and you know enforced changes so it just proves that everyone's getting a bit tired and and for me that's what Everton were yesterday they were they were really poor mm. against Wolves um but Wolves have had the the added um the added advantage of being used to playing twice a week because they've been doing it since last July they've literally been doing it for nearly a year now um non-stop so they're used to the the whole you know two two games in a week kind of thing and it's it's kind of proving because you know Everton were were dead on the feet um on on uh, yesterday at Molyneux it was they were really poor they they lacked ideas but it looked like Ancelotti didn't know what he was um what he had in his team because mm. once they had a couple of injuries I looked at the Everton the lineup and it was a strange one because it was a back five and they had um I think they had who was it now? Uh, was it Keane and Mina at, at the back? But then yeah. Mina had to go off, and it, they ended up with um, with Bins at left wing back, and then he had to go off at half time. <laughs> so Luca Dean was a centre back, and it's like he's in a, he's an attacking left back. But you ended up with a, him in a back three, and then I think he gave the penalty away, and uh, it was all just it all went tits up from there. I think they even put a, the kid on at half time that um, lad called Jared Branthwaite. And the first thing he did in the second half was give away a free kick. And then <laughs> the guy he was marking from the free kick gave it, um, he lost him and it was Dendonka and he scored the second goal. So it was like, you know, that's a, that's a nice little, uh, that, that's what you're yeah. up against. Yeah. That's, that's what you got. That's the level you got to be at this, uh, at this sort of level, you know what I mean? But hmm. yeah, Everton need, need work. Mm, definitely they need a lot of not, they need a lot of work in, in my opinion big question marks over Jordan Pickford as well again surely uh, not again I know Never. Another, yet another mistake but we've talked about this a lot Jordan Pickford not being of the right standard for Everton or England for that matter and yet again he's making more high profile mistakes and costing his team's goals it'd be interesting to see how much patience Ancelotti has with Pickford and Southgate for that matter, because when you've got Dean Henderson and you've got Nick Pope in brilliant form, both in the Premier League this season, surely the next England game, I don't know when the next England game is, but surely you're looking at a different number one in that scenario. Both of those players can kick the ball about two miles off the deck, but they can't <laughs> play football with their feet. They'd be rubbish at five aside, and I think that's what Gareth Southgate goes for. I still think there's a bit of time left for Pickford in terms of his England career. Or could we see another Joe Hart on the cards? Who knows? Anyway, Wolves 3, Everton 0, a final score at Molyneux. Wolves, are, they're surely going to get Europa League, aren't they? They're too good not to, and they could even win it this season. They could play Manchester United in it. Um, that's the way the draw has fallen, and obviously we'll have to wait and see in August what happens there with European competition. I'm glad, Marley, you mentioned the North London derby just then when talking about Everton, because I I completely forgot that that game went on yesterday. I was been meaning to talk about it on the <laughs> podcast, and that just goes to show what sort of a game it was. It finished Spurs two, Arsenal one. So we better talk about it because I know it's a massive game in the context of English football. But this one felt a little bit like, um, you know, lackluster. I mean, Alex Lacazette scored a brilliant goal for Arsenal. I mean, the sort of goal that you wish there were fans in the stadium to see because it was an absolute rocket. To lose to your, your rivals is a big blow, obviously. But to lose to Arsenal 
and Wolves and Sheffield United also beating Chelsea in the race for Europa League. I mean, that's a big blow, Marley, for the Gunners, for them to, to lose 2-1, not only because it's Spurs, but also because of the context of the league table. Yeah, I think it, it just proved... Uh, like Arsenal have been quite good the last couple of weeks and the, you know, the optimism starts coming back a little bit. And all of a sudden, I mean, I've seen someone compare Squadron Mustafi's, um his performance to somebody playing pro clubs on FIFA. Like... Somebody just going mental with the uh, with the slide tackle button and his his whole <laughs> approach to defending was was madness yesterday. I think is the the decisions he made uh, were just cost his team basically. And then for um, for Son's goal, it kind of looks like David Luiz's mistake. At, at some uh, if if you watch it sort of first time, then you realise that the pass mm. he received from a sta- from it was. Klasinac actually was uh, was just awful. I mean, Klasinac tries to play it with his... I know Klasinac is left-footed, but he plays a simple 10-yard pass to Luiz with his right foot, but he, he absolutely hammers it. And Luiz is it's a complete hospital pass, and all of a sudden Son's in. And it's just a stark reminder of, of where Arsenal are, because I think Arteta wants to be almost Man City-esque in his, in his philosophy and, you know, building out from the back and being comfortable with with all 11 players, you know, being in possession of the ball. But that just brought it home how, uh, how hard that is to do because as soon as uh, Klasinac attempted to, to play it, it was like, that's I don't know why you've done that, mate. You've you've completely messed that up and Son equalised. And from there on, it was it was Spurs that were likely to gonna go on and win the match. But, I mean, Arsenal have got work to do. Arteta's got uh, a lot to do this summer. He needs to, he needs to sort out that defence big time because Mustafi and Kolasinac and Louise at centre-back I mean the three of them are just a comedy trio to be fair I mean <laughs> yes they have good games in them but for them to have all three have, a, have to have a good game for you to win win the match I mean that's that's asking a lot of the uh, of the three of them so you have to <laughs> go out to and play well. that in the summer yeah <laughs> you're asking a lot of the three you, players to play well for once yeah you're asking you're asking a lot of those people who run a combined you know 400 grand a week to play well all at once that's a, that's a bit much to ask them all to play well i mean you can ask one but you know the other two will be like nah it's not our week to play well so <laughs> there is a lot of work to do at arsenal he's definitely got his work cut out Mikel arteta yeah, David Luiz caught up in another mistake. This time it wasn't his fault though, so I want to defend David Luiz and say it wasn't his fault. It was quite clearly Kalasinac's fault that he passed the ball, um, like you say, a hospital pass, um, and it resulted in a goal. Great finish by Hyungmin Son. I think he's absolutely quality player. Um, is that Arsenal season over, Jim? And on the flip side, can Spurs now pretty much clinch that Europa League spot that they want? Yes. To both, I guess. I mean, the bigger question marks over Spurs, whether they can get the Europa League place or not, because, I mean, their form recently has been absolutely terrible. They've lost some ridiculous games. Didn't have a shot on target against Bournemouth when they played them a couple of weeks back, or was it last week? I lose track of time at the moment. I mean, it's interesting what Marley says about how... Arsenal want to be Manchester City light at the moment because that is exactly the case and Mikel Arteta was always going to set out that game playing in the Manchester City way but he doesn't have the personnel to do that. I mean the news that 
Arsenal can't defend is not going to surprise anyone, even if you didn't watch the game, because it's been the same case for a decade now. They can't, I don't, don't know what it is about the club's DNA, but they just can't defend. But I think we have to give credit to Jose Mourinho, and I don't like giving credit to Jose Mourinho, but I feel like I have to do it here, because tactically he got it absolutely spot on. And Arsenal came out, played like C, they played the high press, they tried to make the Spurs players make mistakes, and then they just popped it over the top. They just played a long ball, and... Jose had stuck two people up front. He stuck Kane and Son up front together. And he always had an outlet. And that led to Spurs winning that game in the end because it was the combination of those two players together that got the goals and took the pressure off the Tottenham back line. Did they play well? No, they did not. Did they play attractive football? No, they did not. Well, Spurs fans, if there had been any of the stadium, would they have enjoyed watching it? No, but you've got to give credit to Jose Mourinho. That's exactly the kind of game he wins. He assesses the opposition, particularly when it's a big team, a big name opposition, and works out how to beat them. So if they were playing Manchester City, Manchester United, and... I don't know, Arsenal again, <laughs> Chelsea, for example, in the last three games of the season, I think I would back Spurs to get the Europa League spot. But because they're not, mm. who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, no one knows. Anyway, final score in the North London derby, Spurs 2, Arsenal 1. Could be Arsenal season over? Could Spurs now be clinching a Europa League spot? Anyway, final thing to talk about on today's podcast is the game that's taking place tonight. Manchester United versus Southampton. Not really too much to say about this one in terms of a preview, Marley. Just the fact that United are winning this, aren't they? And they're finishing top four, aren't they? Uh, you would think so, yeah. I think um, the most interesting thing, I think um, people were saying um, that every time Chelsea have dropped points this season in the same game week, Man United have failed to win. Um, so they've really sort of failed to uh, to capitalise on, on the teams above them, um, dropping points in the race for, for fourth and, and even third. But... Um, I think it's a different Man United this time. I think they're. I can't remember them being better to watch in the in the past three years, maybe three four years. Um, the front three looks amazing. I mean, Bruno Fernandes has changed everything um, about the team. He's he's everywhere on the pitch um, for Man United. He's such a, a big big player, and Greenwood's really uh, really uh, flourishing into a, a genuine goal scorer now. I think he's got. About 12 or 13 goals in all competitions this year. He's in six or seven in the Premier League. Both feet is very, very good little player. And there's also Rashford to come into top form. I think he's he's been okay since the restart, but he's not been he's not been at the level we th- we uh, we know we can get to. But I mean, Southampton are, are, are doing doing all right. But I think they uh, they haven't got much to play for, and we'll we'll see that. In the, in the next few games, I think obviously they beat Man City, but it's hard to stay at that level of uh, of performance. And I think uh, this this game will be slightly too much for them. I think with Man United playing as the way they are, I think they should uh, they should sweep them sweep them pretty easily. I think. I mean, it's at it's at Man United as well, which is always a uh, always tough. So I can see Man United winning and and moving into that uh, that top uh, top. Well, they'll go third actually tonight. So. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, I think it'll be an easy win for Man United, to be honest. I'll just say it now, and this will surprise you, the scum are getting dusted by Manchester United. It's as simple <laughs> as that. Um, all I've got to say, Jim, is at the start of the uh, project restart, we were saying Manchester United have got a good chance. Will they do it? We're not so sure. We think Chelsea might hold on. Now, with Chelsea losing to Sheffield United, it's almost 
are more disappointing if United don't get top four because it's all there for them. They're playing unbelievably at the moment. They're in flying form and they've got teams that they should easily sweep aside in the next couple of games. I mean, surely it's more disappointing even though they're not in the top four. Surely it's a bigger disappointment now if United don't get that Champions League spot. It feels inevitable now, doesn't it? Not just the Champions League spot, but just them beating teams and beating teams comfortably. And to be fair, Marley's covered it pretty much. Greenwood's in form. Bruno Fernandes has revolutionised the team. Paul Pogba's playing well. Rashford is yet to find his best form probably this season, but you expect that's to come. So it does feel inevitable. And when you look at the form of Leicester City, who are sinking without trace and Chelsea who are dropping points all over the place I think you'd be a brave man to bet against Manchester United getting the Champions League spot at the moment and if you rewind to December that would have felt like a ridiculous sentence to say when we were talking about Solskjaer getting the sack within weeks so fair play to Solskjaer because you have to give him credit for turning the team around and the football they're playing and what a difference one player can make because on the face of it the inclusion the purchase of Bruno Fernandes has changed their season completely turned it round and United fans will have big hopes for next season now if they continue this form we have written off Southampton but we should say they did unexpectedly beat Manchester City um, in one of their recent fixtures mm. so there is still a chance oh, they're going to win this game in the Premier League <laughs> I hope not I really hope not <laughs> we, we, we've all we've all, all 100% backed Manchester United to smash Southampton which means inevitably Southampton will win this 1-0 well Marley hasn't put any money on it so that definitely won't happen at least he hasn't yet <laughs> if Marley puts money on it then you know that it's going to go wrong anyway that's it for today's Football Social Daily we'll be back again tomorrow with another podcast and we will every sub day of the Premier League season. Only a couple of weeks left now, but every single day we'll bring a new podcast for you, looking back at all the big talking points, all the news, views and opinions from the English Premier League here on Football Social Daily. So hit subscribe and you won't ever miss another episode. That's it for today's show though. Thanks, Jim. Cheers, Noel. Thank you very much, Marley. Cheers. And we'll see you again tomorrow. Football Social Daily. Spin like royalty here at kingcasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. Begambleaware.org.